Hello everyone, thanks for tuning in. You are listening to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK geek science fiction, fantasy and horror podcast, episode 482, recorded on Saturday the 15th of April 2023 at 23.56.25. Ah, what a day. I had an MRI earlier today to do with my bad back that I'm always complaining about. We'll see what happens with that. Man, it was really cramped inside that tunnel thing. I thought it would be high over my head. It wasn't. It was right against my nose. Well, I had a couple of inches, but it was extremely claustrophobic. That was some hours ago. First of all, In the pre-show, rescheduled. I am terribly sorry. I know you might have been expecting a classic Doctor Who revisit, which was the scheduled show, the alternating show. But there is so much to talk about that I had to record one of these everything including the kitchen sink episodes. Due to a cock-up involving a timer app in Windows ringing throughout the recording, unbeknownst to me because I don't monitor the audio, what a complete idiot, monitor your audio, this is, in fact, my second attempt at recording this a day later. It is quite frustrating because I recorded about an hour and then I realised that there was a spell ringing in the background of the recording, rendering it completely unusable. If you're a podcaster, you know how frequently things can go wrong, even after years. If you can hear a mic difference between this episode and the last That is because I'm back on my Shaw SM58. The reason for that is the mic that I've been using regularly for the past few shows was the Shaw SM7B, no stranger to podcasting, which I used because there was less for me to edit However, the audio artifacts that I wanted to remove, clicks and pops and things like that, that did remain, were also a lot harder to edit out because they would bury themselves within all this smoother audio around it and they were very difficult to find. I also found that the Shure SM7B was both a bit muddy, which I could probably live with, What I couldn't live with, and I've got to find a solution for, because I'm determined to get some value out of this mic, is that it was also very essy, that is, sibilant, you know, on my voice. That's a bit of a no-no, because it does make it difficult to listen to. With the SM7B now back in its box... And off the boom arm, I took down the boom arm, which I had temporarily decided to use to hold up my 
audio recorder at eye level so I could see it. Great idea. What I didn't bank on was that I'm so clumsy. I bent forward at some stage getting up and then straightened and whacked the top of my skull on the boom arm. Luckily, both my skull, the recorder and the boom arm are still intact. I warrant you this is not a common problem. (laughs) Anyway, that's also back in its box. As I've said for the last decade, I'm in the process of moving. When I finally get to where I'm going, I'll have a proper studio and perhaps I'll try this rig out again. From what you just heard then, you know that I'm still taping into a recorder. It is a good recorder. It's probably better than my PC, but it is more convenient recording straight into a PC. Yet again, that is a problem for me to solve on another day. Oh, there is a lot of traffic tonight. Again, it is amazing. I just don't understand it. I think the universe hates me. The moment I start recording. And I left it later tonight. It's now past midnight. You would have thought there'd be less traffic. There was. Around half past eleven. And now it's started again. Ah, I'm pretty annoyed about the traffic because... In the last pod that I taped, the background seemed fairly clear, but when you turned up the volume in some places, you can hear the sounds of cars going by. Very annoying. Anyway, let us start the show and talk science fiction, fantasy and horror. Books, comics, movies, TV, games and toys. Not so many, or any, comics or toys this week, though I have something on each of the other subjects to talk about. Let's start off with Shazam! Fury of the Gods. It is nice to have a film title that doesn't have a colon in it. I much prefer the exclamation point, far more dramatic. Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Sorry, I'll stop doing that now. Oh, this is going to take some compressing in post. Is Warner Brothers' 2023 sequel to 2019's Shazam, which, as far as I can remember, I did like at the time. I said so according to the show notes in pod 262 from 2019. I haven't gone back to listen to the pod I didn't say much in that review. In fact, it's much shorter than even the review in my show notes this time. It was about two lines long. I'm guessing I probably said more than I wrote, which is also the case tonight, although I have, let's see, at least five or six sentences. In Shazam! Fury of the Gods, we continue with Billy Batson the tween last time and now teen who has been blessed by the wizard with these superpowers to turn him into a tall muscular uh, superhero like Superman and now he's using those powers to help his family fight a super villainous trio 
called The Daughters of Atlas, who are the daughters of the god Atlas, who are gods who want their powers back, because what happened was that the wizard character, played by what's his name? I can't remember his name, I'm sorry. Decided that divine powers should not be in the hands of the gods, who were irresponsible, and instead took them away and decided to find worthy mortals to give these powers to. And starting with, well, actually Black Adam, but that's a completely different story. In the Shazam film from 2019, the worthy candidate was Billy Batson. And at the end of the film, the wizard also gives the rest of his family superpowers. The children, at least. The children in this foster family. So the conflict is between them and these jealous and very deadly gods. I enjoyed the quippy humour of the Shazam character played by the adult male actor. Again, I can't remember his name. And the effects were pretty good. But the film was long, bloated, lacking in engagement, and the Skittles product placement was cringingly heavy-handed. Let's get into that a bit. By long and bloated, I mean it was long and bloated. You know there's something wrong with the film when you're about an hour in and you think to yourself, oh, I'm so tired, I could do with a break. And I did pause the movie and it said on the timeline that I had more than an hour to go and I thought to myself, oh my god, I need a break. And I went away, had a nap, came back and then watched the end of it. That is how long it is. It is lacking in engagement mainly in the fact that the story is so simple. Bad guys, good guys, that's it. I liked some of the writing around that basic and slightly boring adventure, like the whole thing with the doors that go into anywhere. That was interesting. The Skittles bit. Okay, so it turns out that... During the course of this big fight between Shazam and his family of superheroes and the superpowered gods, a tree spawns loads of monsters, including the unicorn, which, according to the wizard, is a savage and barbarous creature. Nothing like the nice unicorn from the fairy tales. But the youngest of the good guys, if you remember that cute, nerdy girl from the first movie with the glasses, she decides, you know, unicorns, she really likes unicorns, she can handle them, she can tame them, and she does that by feeding them skittles. And then they are riding... (laughs) these deadly unicorns and mowing down the other monsters because the unicorns have now become their allies. And she says, this is about the third time they mention Skittles, taste the rainbow, motherfucker. (laughs) Which I thought was good, but it was the only bit of funny dialogue that was necessary. 
but it wasn't the only bit they used in the film. Apart from that, though, yeah, a bit lacking in fun, which is the whole point of this movie. It's aimed at, uh, I'm guessing, younger children, or children at least, not even teens, although I never claim to be that mature. But yeah, I uh, didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I should. There was a bit that I did enjoy when he, Shazam, is on the couch and talking to a therapist. And at one point, the therapist says, you do realize that I'm a pediatrician. (laughs) That was a nice touch. Okay, that's it for all the movies that I watched this week. Well, movie. Let's move on to TV and Shut Eye. Shut Eye is a 2016 TV series from Hulu about a former magician, a failed magician, now working as a psychic. And then his visions start to come true after a head injury. As a hobbyist, and highly sceptical, strictly only-for-fun tarot card reader myself, and a fan of stage magic. How could I resist a drama with a premise like that? Well, I couldn't, and I did decide to start watching it. And in fact, on the subject of tarot cards, each episode in the first season is named after a card. I found the show to be well-acted, well-plotted, but surprisingly grim. All the characters, grifters or otherwise, were highly unpleasant. There wasn't one redeeming character in the lot. Isabella Rossellini plays the mar of the Roma crime family that are in charge of the fortune-telling scam in LA. I don't know how factual that is. That sounds like complete crap. But it's an interesting take, and I really do like Isabella Rossellini. But like I said, I didn't like anyone in it. They're all complete arseholes, Rossellini included. I was expecting something far lighter, uh, like a comedy show like Psych, or with a bit more drama, but still a bit of comedy, like The Mentalist. But what I got instead was a psychic mafioso network it felt too like they were trying to be breaking bad breaking bad was a show of its moments that moment has long passed but unfortunately it has been endlessly copied and cloned i wish they'd stop doing that and come up with some original stuff Shut Eye was cancelled after two seasons, and frankly, I'm okay with that. That's Shut Eye. By the way, Shut Eye is a term that refers to psychics who believe their abilities are real. (laughs) Unlike me. (laughs) I'm not a psychic anyway. Like playing with the tarot cards, don't for a moment think that it's real in any way. As Houdini said at the 1926 Congressional Fortune-Telling Hearings, yes, there were Congressional Fortune-Telling Hearings, a shut-eye 
is one who believes everything any medium tells him or her. An open eye is one who is a trickster and know it. Okay, moving on from Shut Eye, a sort of occult-ish crime drama, to Swarm, which is crime slash horror. Swarm is an Amazon 2023 show in which a young female stalkerish fan's best friend and flatmate kills herself after moving out and rowing with her boyfriend. This is a bit of a double whammy for the fan because she was hoping that this best friend of hers would go with her to a concert of the pop star that she's obsessed with. And by the way, needless to say, everything I talk about in this pod will be spoiled. I watched the first episode, and at the end of the first episode, the fan kills the terrible boyfriend in a fit of rage, and then goes completely off the rails. From what I've read after that, she turns into a serial killer of some sort. And all sorts of comedy ensues. (laughs) I thought this was good in that it's a mostly black cast, with a female protagonist. However, despite that it's supposed to be comedy horror... It's not quite as funny as I thought it should be, and I found it way too depressing to deal with. What I mean by it being not quite as funny as it should be, quite recently I found a Hitchcock series on one of the free channels on Roku and put on an episode for my mum, And that was horror, but it was also funny. And it was just as disturbing as the first episode of Swarm, but it didn't make you feel like you wanted to kill yourself afterwards. This is just far too depressing. The episode of the Hitchcock series that I saw was written by Robert Block. Man, I miss Robert Block's writing. Robert Block was the guy who wrote Psycho. And he wrote a lot of other horror as well. That's the way to do it. (laughs) Oh my god. That's the way to do it. Ah, sorry. British thing. Okay, that was Swarm. Moving on to another TV show. And a bit of time travel involved here. Back in 2019, in episode 253, I talked about the Jordan Peele... 2019 CBS All Access reboot of The Twilight Zone. I said at the time, it's not perfect, but it is stylish, engaging, and original. Since then, because I did drift away from the show, I found it not quite engaging enough. So I still agree that it's stylish and original. It just didn't grab me as much as it should. Which is probably why I didn't talk about it for... What's that? (laughs) One, two, 
was that four years? Yeah, only watched a few episodes and then forgot all about it. I do like some of Jordan Peele's work, some of his movies. I haven't seen Nope yet, that is on the list. Let's move on to something far more current, The Mandalorian. I enjoyed the last episode, in which Grief Karga <laughs> presents Grogu with a gif of a mech suit made from salvaged IG-12. I loved how to attract Grogu to the suit, the robot's control knobs are shiny chrome balls, like the one in Din's ship that Grogu's obsessed with. I loved the constant robotic mischief and repetitive yes and knowing. Yes, 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 no, no, no. I thought that was hilarious. It reminded me of how annoying, but also funny I was as a small child, and all young children can be as well. It was great when Grief Karga against Din's uh, <laughs> express wishes, really, puts Grogu into the robot, and Grogu immediately starts stomping around the office, destroying everything. <laughs> oh, Grief Karga, what a great uncle. <laughs> and then the scene at the market stall <laughs> with that fruit... When he, Grogu, just grabs the fruit and starts eating, and Din has to pay for it, and then the fruit gets squashed, and the juice hits the stall owner. Oh, man, that was so funny. I mean, the rest of the episode was good as well, but for me, that was the highlight. As for the rest of the episode, yeah, that's the whole thing with the... Mandalorians getting together and going back to Mandalore and then being surprised by a trap set by the dastardly Moff Gideon, who is alive and now particularly resplendent and sinister in a shiny new black Vascar alloy suit that now flies. Yes, he's got a jetpack. Imagine how poor old Vader would have really appreciated a suit like that. And yeah, The Mandalorian. Good stuff. Very enjoyable. And on to Picard. In the latest episode, I discovered that my deep cut, that I didn't tell anyone, but I'm going to reveal to you now, and that was that Jack, Beverly and Picard's son, was a member of species 8472. If you remember that deadly to the Borg species it's very xenophobic and very warlike from Voyager, and that he would be a sleeper agent in human form. That deep cut was, of course, completely wrong. Instead, they pulled out the far less original but narratively more important Borg. Oh well, I suppose they didn't want to take a risk and just continue the fan service. We have only just seen the back of the Borg Queen's head, but I'm sure we'll see her face fairly soon. In fact, I have already seen her face because some monumental twerp on the web put up a picture. I don't know why 
these media companies give advance copies of the show to journalists when they do this. That was very annoying. And yeah, I'm enjoying the fan service. I've said many, many times before, and this is Picard's last outing. The fan service is excellent. My recommendation is to watch it for that and that alone and let the endorphins flow. The endorphins must flow. Yeah, okay, that's Dune. Let the spice flow. What am I doing? Mixing up IPs. Sorry about that. Yeah, Mandalorian and Picard are my current favourite shows. Okay, that was a lot of stuff. I'm going to take a short break and then I'll be back and ready to talk to you about Star Wars Celebration with all those announcements of Star Wars films, TV and a game. So I will see you in a couple of seconds. Okay, I'm back. A bare minute or two has gone. I just stopped to have a little drink. My mouth's getting a bit dry, because there are a lot of show notes tonight. There's a lot to talk about. And I suppose the biggest thing in Geek is Star Wars Celebration, which announced a lot of upcoming Star Wars films, TV, and they also mentioned a new game. Star Wars Celebration was held from the 7th to the 10th of April at the Excel Exhibition Centre in London this year. By the way, I visited the same venue when I attended my first MCM London Comic Con a few years ago. I talked about that in pod 180 from 2017, if you want to go back and listen to that. But anyway, back to this latest Star Wars celebration. During the event, a barrage of upcoming Star Wars films, TV shows, and a game were announced. So let's talk about those right now. Let's start with films. James Mangold, the director of Logan, has a film planned about the first Jedi to wield the Force... Then there's Dave Filoni, co-creator of The Mandalorian and director of The Clone Wars animation show, who is working on a film about the conflict between the New Republic and the Imperial Remnant. Apparently, this film will tie up The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, Ahsoka, and yeah, those shows. I don't know if it will encompass any of the later shows that I'm going to be talking about, but at least those shows. Finally, in film, Charmaine Obeid Chinoy, the woman behind Miss Marvel, showrunner, has a movie that is set 15 years after The Rise of Skywalker, in which Rey sets about rebuilding a new Jedi Order. So, yeah, we'll see what happens to Ray. I think I am actually interested in that. I do hope I see Finn again, though, and also Poe. I'm sure we will. I hope we will. 
Okay, that's it for films. There isn't that much information apart from that. There might be some more now, but that was the state of the information I had when I was writing these show notes. Let's move on to television. The Ahsoka TV series is coming this August. There is a trailer that's out. It's a very exciting trailer. And in that trailer, we also get confirmation via a view of the back of his head that Grand Admiral Thrawn from Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire books will finally hit our screens. I am not new to Timothy Zahn. In fact, I knew about him and was reading his stuff way before the Star Wars books. I have read at least the first book in the Heir to the Empire series, probably more than that. But like I said, I was already a fan of his writing. I had read Black Collar and Cobra. Those are two sci-fi book series, Black Collar is about an elite special forces team that are trained in the martial arts. And Cobra is also about an elite special forces team that have been cybernetically enhanced. At least I think those books came out before Heir to the Empire. Now I'm not sure. But anyway, yeah, he's a pretty good writer, and those books were fairly popular. And, of course, the book in question, Air to the Empire, and that series of books was also very popular, which is at least partly why Thrawn is such a cult figure amongst fans, as well as the fact that he was in some of the animation. The role is to be played, in fact, by Lars Mikkelsen, Mads Mikkelsen's brother, who voice-acted him in Star Wars Rebels which is nice. You don't often see a voice actor carrying forward his role into live action, or their role into live action. And that seems to be a popular choice amongst the fans. I can't really tell you one way or the other what I think of that, because I haven't watched Star Wars Rebels. I'm more of a live action chap. Moving on to another TV series that was announced, and that is The Acolyte, which is scheduled for release in 2014. The Acolyte is set 100 years before The Phantom Menace, during the High Republic, which was supposed to be a golden age in the Star Wars galaxy. The Acolyte is a detective story centred on a former Padawan, Finally, in live-action television, we have Skeleton Crew coming later this year. It stars Jude Law and is about four children trying to get home, presumably on a spaceship going through the Star Wars galaxy and getting up to all sorts of adventures. I don't know what part Jude Law is playing. I'm guessing some kind of grizzled space vet Veteran, that is, not veterinary surgeon. (laughs) I don't think children need a veterinary surgeon. Why am I getting into this? Maybe a lion tamer. Let's now move on. Anime Shorts Star Wars Visions is renewed. The new season will start 
in May, on May the 4th. I don't know if you've watched any of Star Wars Visions. I've seen perhaps half of the first season. If you're into that kind of Japanese anime look, you might enjoy it. I enjoyed a couple of the episodes. Like I said, I'm not too big into Star Wars animation anyway. I don't have anything against animation or anime. It's just that Star Wars, for me, always felt like something that should be live action. Which brings us on to The Bad Batch. Again, this is a show that I've only seen perhaps two-thirds of the first season. The animated series is renewed and will return for a final season three next year. The Bad Batch is about a bunch of reject clones who form an elite unit, because although they've all got some kind of uh, problem, that problem also seems to make them really good at other things, and they can think in ways that ordinary clone troopers can't. It's actually quite an interesting premise. I would have thought that would have done quite well as a live-action show. Ah, I've been talking for so long that my screen went to sleep and I had to move the mouse. Okay. Lastly, we have news of a third-person single-player game called Jedi Colon Survivor. Oh god, the colon again. That is to be released this month on the 28th. In the game, a character named Cal Kestis from the Fallen Order game returns five years later as a full Jedi Knight. And the game consists of him fighting and exploring the Star Wars galaxy. That's about all I know about it. I have not played that many modern games for years now. I keep saying that this podcast should include games, and it seldom does anymore. I'm more into the older games. I do have an Xbox, the Star Wars edition, of course. The old 360 with a gold controller, and that came with that free game where you had to control the Force, but I found that waving my arms in any direction did something. It wasn't very specific. I can't remember the name of that game. And at the moment, I just don't have room to crack open all these consoles and play with them, which is a bit unfortunate. Ah, I've got hardware, and I could play with it. I don't have the room. Ridiculous. Ah. Now I'm thinking of all the other hardware I'd like to play with. I've got some of those mini consoles. haven't played much with those, and those are great. I really want to play on the mini Sega Mega Drive, which I played for about a week when I got it, and then it went back in the box. Ah, you really need a good living room setup to game. If you don't have that, it's not that much fun. And that is it for what we can expect in the Star Wars galaxy. A lot of that does sound quite exciting. I'm looking forward to the films. I am sad that there'll be no more Han, Luke and Leia. 
but I can say that I will be glad to see Ray, Finn, and Poe again. And I hope Finn and Poe are in this movie. I must admit, though, I am getting fed up of fighting Imperials. There needs to be something else to do. Or is it always going to be Imperials, Imperials, Imperials? And Death Stars getting bigger and bigger. Who knows? Oh man, they're probably going to bring the Emperor back, aren't they? Oh my god. (laughs) Talking about bringing stuff back, they are bringing back Harry Potter as a TV series? A TV series that is planned to go on for ten years. Oh my god. You know what? This is not even in the show notes. I'm just riffing freestyle at the moment. I'm going to have to add this to my show notes later. But man, I'm not looking forward to that. And JK Rowling is going to be an executive producer. Ah. Okay. I've already castigated her before on her views on trans rights. It's all a bit uncomfortable. I don't know why she is associating herself with this. Maybe she should take herself out of the picture. But I also do appreciate that she is the creator of Harry Potter and those books. I don't know, though. Ten years of a new show with new actors and... um, I'm not sure I could do it. Daniel Radcliffe and the others, uh, how I imagine Harry Potter and his friends. And we've got those films, and we've still got those books. I don't see the need for this. It's obviously a blatant cash grab. I'm probably not going to watch this. I'll probably just watch the first episode so I can talk about it on this. Maybe. I'm not even sure about that, because I'm just not too keen on delving into yet another version of something that has already been so well explored in literature and on film. Ah, okay, I'll just put a (laughs) little note to myself. I've mistyped Harry Potter quite badly. It actually says, uh, there's a bracket in the middle of it, because I wasn't really looking what I was doing, but it says Harry Pooter. <laughs> Which is about how I feel about this. Ah, oh, Okay, let's end this main part of the show and transition into the off-topic section with something that straddles both of those things. And that is to do with Star Wars Creatures. More specifically, the welfare of the smaller creatures in the Star Wars galaxy. (laughs) Which is slightly relevant, because the welfare of horses was a subject on the news. Wasn't there that protest at the Grand National Aintree in Liverpool? But anyway, where were we? Okay, Star Wars creatures, look... As you know, I do not sleep well. I've complained about it constantly on the pod, and on social media, and in my blog. Because of that, when I do eventually sleep, I tend to dream vividly, because what's happening is I'm generally not getting enough REM sleep. When I do sleep, 
my dreams go into overdrive. And on Good Friday, I had a nightmare. (laughs) It was quite a traumatic nightmare about how I accidentally injured instead of killed an octopus that I was going to cook. I should say at this point, before people start tuning out and saying, you barbarian, you killed an intelligent octopus just to cook and eat it. Well, look, it was a dream. In real life, in actuality, I do not eat octopus. I never have, I never will. Anyway, the point is, this octopus that I'd bungled the putting down of was sitting in my dream, bedraggled at the bottom of a tank, and of course I felt extremely guilty about that. And it didn't help that the octopus was staring at me with his big, wide, expressive brown eyes, and now I'm not even sure if octopus have brown eyes, but in my dream it did. I felt so guilty and bad that I decided to free it. I took it to the beach and released it in a rock pool, or at least that was the plan before I woke up. The reason I think I had this dream is because the subject of sentience has been on my mind lately. I talked about self-aware bees and plants in pod 481, And it has got me thinking about how awful the Star Wars galaxy is for some of those smaller creatures. Not just the larger creatures, like humans, Mon Calamari, sand people, clones, droids, and so on, who are living in enslavement under the Imperial boot heel in dire poverty, or as a food source. The Ewoks were going to eat Han and Luke in Return of the Jedi. Furry little bastards. No, let's get back to those smaller creatures. Do you remember Din Djarin walking past Kowakian monkey lizards being roasted at a market stall on Navarro, watched by a soul living, remaining, and very terrified monkey lizard in a cage. That was in The Mandalorian Chapter 3, The Sin. And, okay, I get it. It was a kind of Easter egg, a throwback to seeing one of Salacious Crumb's own species, Salacious Crumb's one of the most hated characters in Star Wars. Well, okay, Jar Jar Binks was probably the most hated character, but you know what I mean, a nasty little git. Jabba the Hutt's pet, and we see them getting roasted here. But that's not fair, that's speciesism. I quite like the look of the monkey lizards. They're creepy and hairy and kind of cool. I would probably have a pet monkey lizard, which, (laughs) knowing my demeanour, would probably surprise no one. But yeah, don't be speciesist. That's not fair. We don't like Salacious Crumb. Doesn't mean that all monkey lizards are horrible. And I felt really bad about that little guy. Then, of course, there is the fluffy little porg birds, native to Luke's hideout on Akto, who are mercilessly 
slacked upon by the mighty Chewbacca, until their big, expressive eyes did a number on him as well, and his conscience stopped him eating them in The Last Jedi, and then they end up roosting on the Millennium Falcon, which is a whole other problem. What I'm getting to in a very roundabout way is that I do love Star Wars, but as I've said so many times before, the Star Wars galaxy is definitely one of the most unpleasant fictional places ever created. I would absolutely hate to live in it, or buy food in it, or be food in it. Back in the real world, from now on I'm going to avoid seafood restaurants that serve octopus. And by the way, I'm not a vegetarian, so no one get their knickers in a twist. I'm just saying there are some animals that probably deserve far more respect. Okay, let us mosey into the off-topic section. Yep, that is it for science fiction, fantasy and horror. Now I'm just going to talk generally about completely off-topic stuff that has nothing to do with that. If you want to tune out now, that's absolutely fine, do that. Or you can hang around and just chill with me while I talk about other media and other stuff that's been happening. Ah, really needed a sip of water there. Podcasting really dries your mouth out. Okay, you know what? I'm going to need more than just that one sip of water. I've run out of water now. i have to restock the water glass. Bear with me, and I'll be back in a second. Okay, I'm back. Had to disassemble the mic stand because I kept on bumping into the stereo mic setup. I now only have my single vocal mic on the stand. Much easier. Ah, as I've said before, when you find a really comfortable mic setup, that's pretty important. Maybe more important than the equipment itself. Okay. Off topic, yeah, let us chill. And let us talk about some non-genre media. Wolf Hall, which could be described as Game of Thrones without dragons, maybe? Of course, that could apply to any medieval-ish historical drama. (laughs) Wolf Hall, okay. I rewatched Peter Kosminski's adaptation of the late Hilary Mantel's Wolf Hall historical novels last week. About last week, anyway. Now. The 2015 BBC series follows the rise of a chap called Thomas Cromwell, who was Henry VIII's Chancellor, and he also held a lot of other high offices. That was the main one. And by the way, you're hearing the name Cromwell. Thomas Cromwell was not the blood ancestor of Oliver, more of an honorary great-great-granduncle. Oliver Cromwell was one of the descendants of his adopted son, 
the son of a friend who took his name. Wolf Hall is an excellent period drama, only let down by the odd bit of anachronistic dialogue. I can't give you specifics, but if you watch it, you'll know what I mean. It's peppered with a few, but not many, mercifully, bits of more contemporary English. I don't know why that is. The bits that they add don't add anything to the script. It doesn't make it clearer, which is one of the main uses for putting anachronistic dialogue into period drama. I really don't understand it. It's not a big thing, though, and it doesn't happen too often. There is also a fair amount of dramatic license. For example, Thomas Cromwell wasn't quite the poor Putney boy that this show makes him out to be. In the show, his father is a humble blacksmith. In reality, maybe he did a bit of smithing, but he was a hostelry owner. I don't think he was poor. And he did come from at least a former fairly posh family, although that bit is in the script. His father says that, bemoaning the fact that they used to have all this stuff and now they don't. And by the way, for listeners who are not familiar with Putney, Putney is an area of London. The other thing that let it down, and I'm not sure that anything could be done about that, is the depressing subject matter of how to get ahead by making others lose theirs. Ordinarily, in a show that's backstabby, you can delight in the villain's cleverness and ruthlessness, but this seems more grounded in reality, and so nothing is ever clear-cut. Everything's a shade of grey, and it doesn't look like Thomas Cromwell enjoys murdering people, or torturing them, or scaring the hell out of them. It's just the way things are in that period of history. Oh, and I phrased it that way, to get ahead by making others lose theirs, because I'm alluding to that film, oh, what was it? How to Get Ahead in Advertising. If you haven't seen that, you'll like it. It stars Richard E. Grant as an advertising exec who literally grows a second head. <laughs> it's a very strange and entertaining film. And fairly obscure. I think it's fairly obscure. I don't think that many people have seen it. Maybe not outside the UK anyway. The series, it's a mini-series closes with Cromwell becoming Flavour of the Month with Henry after arranging Anne Boleyn's execution to free the king to marry Jane Seymour. And there the mini-series ends. What it doesn't tell you, <laughs> not even in the post-credits, I think. Not in the post-credits? I don't think it does. The wily Machiavellian Thomas Cromwell was later beheaded by his old mate Henry for arranging Henry's marriage to Anne of Cleves. 
I think what happened is Henry was expecting some amazingly sophisticated and ethereally beautiful match, and it turned out that Anne of Cleves was not that. I don't think she was a awful woman. I just think Henry had an eye for the ladies, and this was not the lady he was expecting. Oh my god. Star Wars. <laughs> this is not the lady you are looking for. Oh, forget it. Anyway, where were we? Sorry, I'm so easily distracted tonight, and I've got my wizarding bobble hat on, because it's night time, and, you know, need to keep the old head warm, especially with the thinning hair. Uh, I'm completely lost now. Yeah. Anne of Cleves. Yeah, and the reason that he was mistaken with the looks of Anne is to do with, perhaps, a portrait by Hans Holbein, the portrait painter, the famous portrait painter of the time, who, in fact, does have a part in the show for a few minutes as a vignette of him painting a portrait of Thomas Cromwell. Apparently, his portrait of yet another Toff, because he was sauntering all over Europe painting pictures of nobles, was a little too flattering of Anne of Cleves, which made it a little misleading, because at the time, that was the only way you could tell how someone looked from a distance by seeing their portrait. I don't know why his end is funny, but it is. It reminds me of something from my own culture, Birbal the Clever, the... Oh, let's see the Grand Vizier anyway. Someone very important to another monarch, the Emperor Akbar in India, who met his comeuppance in Afghanistan after being tasked by his boss to invade the place. So, as we all know, don't invade Afghanistan. <laughs> What's that from? That's from a film... I'm not talking about something in contemporary politics, because we all know about that and how that ended up. I'm talking about something from media? I don't know. I'll probably remember it later on. From the show, I also learned about what a bloody miserable period Tudor times were. Some... Historians say it was a brighter post-Black Death time. Well, of course it was brighter. It was post-Black Death. Anything after the Black Death is better. But this was also a time we were ruled by the feudal system, an absolute monarch, and the judicial system included torture, burning at the stake, and beheading. Well, okay, <laughs> some judicial systems still include some of that. But most of that isn't strictly included in the English judicial system anymore, at least not officially. I remember years and years ago when I once partook of a historical reenactment, there were a few fellow reenactors who thought the old days were the good old days. I added an E to good old and days to make it more oldie, fashioned -y. 
<laughs> and no, they weren't. Look, at the moment, things aren't great, the climate is crashing, but at least I'm not going to be burned at the stake for some strange disagreement on religion. I'm not going to lose my head for criticising a toff. Yeah. You're generally allowed to say what you want to say, sort of. Although, you know, it's government, who the hell knows. Ah. Uh. Anyway, Wolf Hall. You can see that if you're in the UK on BBC iPlayer, and it's available just about everywhere, everywhere else. Oh my god, I'm looking at my recorder. Coming up to an hour and ten minutes. That is a long time for one voice in a solo podcast, and man, my mouth is dry. Had a little sip of water. Okay, what's next? Only Murders in the Building. Only Murders in the Building is a 2021 Hulu comedy slash crime series about grumpy, uptight New York apartment dwellers in a posh building who become embroiled in the death of a neighbour. Wait a minute. Grumpy, uptight New Yorkers? What other kind are there? Anyway, where were we? Okay. Yeah. They then start investigating what happened to this chap and simultaneously start a true crime podcast. Steve Martin, Martin Short, and some other woman who I just don't know who she is, she's not famous enough for me to know, star in this fairly low-key drama. It's likeable enough, though I came to not like the visual metaphor of stuff floating around. It seemed cute at first and then turned distracting and cloying. What I'm talking about is this thing that originates from Martin Short's character, I think, or is it Steve Martin? But anyway, we first see Martin Short in his mine, falling off the side of some steps, bouncing on the ground and landing back where he started falling from, completely unharmed and very happy. And then we also see Steve Martin dropping a omelette pan and the pan bouncing up from the ground, which obviously it can't do in real life. And the whole point of that visual metaphor, and it's overdone, is that it's showing us how this investigation and starting this true crime podcast is getting these three people out of a rut and giving meaning to their life. I get it. We don't need to see it over and over again. I'm not that offended by it, though. Oh, and also, Steve Martin's apartment looks a lot like Jerry Seinfeld's fictional apartment in Seinfeld. But it probably isn't. It's probably just a typical interior of a New York apartment. A bit like how all the apartments in Vancouver where I used to live looked the same. At least the three-story walk-ups looked the same. Sorry, again, I'm getting distracted. I drifted off because I'm tired and because I was thinking of Vancouver. Only murders in the building, then. Mildly engaging, 
but not enough for me to stick it out. For the second time in this podcast, let us go back in time again to the flight attendant. This is a late review. In pod 354 in 2020, I said that I enjoyed the first 2020 season of The Flight Attendant with Kelly Kuoko, but please don't do a sequel. Those were my words. Please don't do a sequel. In 2022, they did do a sequel, and sometime last year, I started watching the HBO Max follow-up. I found it okay, but it lacked the novelty and the main mystery of the first season. That is, to be fair, fairly systemic of all first seasons that don't end on a proper cliffhanger, and so, unfortunately, the show did not make the cut at Castle Royenstein's screening room. And that is The Flight Attendant. The Flight Attendant, the first season, yeah, go and see it, it's self-contained. You don't have to watch any more than that. If you like quirky murder mysteries, and we just talked about one, we just talked about only murders in the building, this is another quirky murder mystery. Kelly Kuako, I hope I pronounced that right, is extremely good in the role. I like her anyway, she's a good actress. And now on to something that will give you a flavour of living in the UK. Photo ID now required to vote in the UK. Don't ever forget, and how can we forget, that our current government is a right-wing popularist one. It is fuelled by the standard alt-right fakery that scapegoats migrants and refugees with nasty slogans like Stop the Boats, What a Pile of Shit, Now, the Trumpian voter fraud narrative has also somehow taken hold on the Scepter Dial and led to the requirement that we now present photographic ID in order to vote. What a complete load of crap. I'm saying that because this new requirement is, despite no convictions for voter fraud, as of 2021. Now, of course, I don't know what happened after 2021, but I'm guessing it didn't spike from zero to thousands or millions or whatever bullshit that the Conservatives have come up with to force us to this new and intrusive requirement. I'm guessing what they're doing is trying to copy Trump in a scheme to disenfranchise the voters least likely to vote for them, like the disabled, the homeless, or the very poor. I bet it's something like that. I will be voting, and I'll definitely not be voting Conservative. So, that sort of backfired for them. Occasionally I feel like not voting because I'm lazy, or I'm just depressed, but now, in the next election, I'm definitely going to vote. And if you don't like the current lot of twits who are in power, I suggest you vote as well. If you're in the UK. If you're not in the UK, maybe this is of interest to you. 
because you're just interested in knowing perhaps something about my life and something about the people around me and perhaps are interested in the country that this podcast comes from. Although, as I have mentioned, I have recorded in other countries as well. <laughs> okay, the last topic in our off-topic section is titled Canoe. Simply Canoe. <laughs> no, this isn't a new app or service, though I bet you there is one called Canoe. In fact, I'm pretty sure there is one. So, listeners, this is what I've been keeping under wraps regarding a return to an old hobby that I have been talking about for the last few episodes. On my About page at my website, I say how one of my hobbies is being on, under, or next to the big blue H2O. But the simple truth is I haven't dived sailed or canoed in years. Luckily, I still have some gear from hobbies, including the aforesaid, unfortunately, inactive water sports. I found a natty pair of unused no-fear neoprene gloves in my kit bag with which to clad my achy old hands. And so... On Friday, I went for my induction into a nearby canoe club. And, drumroll, neoprene gloves still in pocket, I immediately fell into the lake. (laughs) The last time I did something that clumsy and stupid was about a millennia ago when I lost my glasses during an Eskimo roll in order to earn my British Canoe Union one-star certificate. At least that didn't happen this time, as my glasses and my hat were tied on because of the lesson I'd learned the last time. I just didn't think I would be cack-footed enough to plunge straight into the lake. It was... Very, very embarrassing. Can you imagine that? We hadn't even started the session, and I was in the water. And then I had to paddle around wet. They did give me the option of rescheduling, but they said, do you want to stick it out? I did. I did stink a bit of the lake. And yeah, I paddled around. I did get a little drier. It was a very, very sunny day, thank God. And I did the rest of the induction. I did, however, learn afterwards of the delightful and occasionally fatal Viles disease, which is sometimes found in dirty water, which I thought really fantastic. I really think they should have told me that the moment I plunged in, not like an hour afterwards. I had a shower after the incident, and I honestly thought I wouldn't get into the club, because what happened is I took my PFD, my personal flotation device, like a life jacket thing, buoyancy aid, into the shower with me. I thought the least I could do is clean this thing off, which I did. I just stood under the shower and 
fully clothed with everything on, turned the shower on and just stood there for about five minutes until the stink of the lake reduced. Man, there was just so much stuff in my shoe as well. There was even a shell. How the hell did that get in there? Oh, and the point is, when all this was happening, I was not in the best mood. And as I was under the shower, and then taking my clothes off and trying not to fall over on the weight of these soggy clothes, I was swearing... a lot. The amount of explicit language was enough to peel the tiles off the wall. What I didn't realise is that a member of either the sailing, rowing or canoe club was on the other side of the wall listening to this. (laughs) I don't think I've effed or blinded that much and that long for years. But... No, turned out I was invited to join and I joined. Oh, I hope a complaint just isn't in the works and working its way up the chain of command of the club and I've joined and then they'll say, you know what, we've thought against it. Your language is far too offensive. You'll have to go. Well, anyway, I'm in now. If I do get chucked out, I want a refund. Ah, so that is my new hobby. If I stick with it, and if they let me stick with it, because it also took me three days at least to recover from the excitement, I'd like to get a canoe sailing rig. I enjoy paddling a bit in open canoes. I wouldn't mind having a go in kayaks as well. But what I'm really after is a small sailboat, and this is probably the smallest and lightest sailboat you can put together. And that will finally enable me to fulfil my hitherto unfulfilled dream of boat ownership. In fact, if you look at my blog contents page, there is a photograph of my old, unsailed and unrestored boat project, That has sadly been sold on now. I feel a bit upset about that, actually. I really liked that old boat, and it never had a chance to sail. Poor boat. A sailing canoe isn't quite the blue water cruiser I wanted to explore the world in, but it is something you can stick on a car and just go. So you have the convenience of more sailing and easier storage, Probably not the thing that you're going to sail across the Atlantic in. There is also my giant and frighteningly powerful Sutton Flowform Kite that I want to trial as a sailing rig when I'm competent enough not to get sucked into space. I have, to my left, I'm trying not to turn my head because that will alter the sound of the mic, a parachute-like kite, which I originally bought years and years ago for aerial photography. I even built something called a Picavay rig to hold a camera straight and facing down. 
that was before the time of drones, so it was quite a cool thing to do. I could still do aerial photography, but what I really want to do is use it to pull a canoe. And that is one of the other uses of this particular type of kite. It's a single line lifting kite. It is though, as I have intimated, very powerful and could suck you into space. I remember when we first tried this out, it was at English Bay in Vancouver. And <laughs> this thing was incredibly powerful. Uh, there were two of us, two grown men, and we're just playing around with this thing, and we thought, you know what? This is so powerful. Could it lift up a bicycle? And yes, it could lift up a bicycle. Okay, an hour and a half in, I think this podcast is too long. If you have any views on whether I should move the off-topic content to a completely separate show, please let me know. It's something I might consider, because editing an hour and a half of tape is a lot. But that is it for now. As I said at the top of the show, this was supposed to be a classic Doctor Who revisit. It wasn't. The classic Doctor Who revisit is re-rescheduled. And will be the thing we do next time. Next time we will revisit, recap and review... The Visitation from 1982, starring Peter Davison. So if you're into classic Doctor Who, give that a listen. And, of course, as ever, I hope you enjoyed this episode. The show that you just listened to is produced, presented, and edited by me, Roy Matur, a writer. Matur is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at roymator.com. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen, recommend it to a friend or mortal enemy, or click on the contact or support link on the website. And please do click on the support link on the website, and if you can afford to, maybe send a couple of galactic creds my way to help the show keep going, have been going now in excess of 10 years. I've put in the time, put in the editing, put in a lot of my own money to get the equipment. I need help. If you like the show, please support it. If you can't afford to contribute in that way, there are lots of ways to support me that don't include tipping me a couple of quid. You can write a nice review give me a five-star rating. All those things help. And telling family and friends helps as well. Or, as I said, enemies. <laughs> Especially if you don't like it. If you don't like it, that means someone you don't like might like it. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And now it's time to say goodbye. You were listening to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK Geek Science Fiction, Fantasy and Horror Podcast, episode 482, recorded on Saturday the 15th of April 2023, but ending on Sunday the 16th of April 2023 at 014331. As always, 
Thanks for listening, listeners, nerdlings, podlings, and bye-bye for now. Bye. Incredible. The moment I say bye, the traffic stops. Well, thanks for nothing, traffic. Oh, sorry. And bye.